Welcome to episode 71 of the Daniel Yours podcast with today's guest, Brooke Morisot. Let's go. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Joined here today by Brooke Morisot. Brooke, thanks for joining me today. Hey, Daniel. Thank you so much for having me on. Yes, it's a pleasure. I'm happy that we got to do this. It's always nice speaking to people from sunny and warm Florida. It's, I've had a, a number of people who are in Florida on on the podcast, and I think it's not intentional on per, or for sure, but I, I spent a bunch of time in Florida last year, and it'll always be a little bit of a, a special place to me, so always happy to, to bring a piece of that back. Yeah, were you in Tampa? I was in, so I went to Tampa for, for a hockey game, actually, but I was in uh, Naples, the Naples area. Okay. Yeah, I'm very familiar with like the South Tampa area, University of South Florida, um, kind of around there, Orlando a little bit, but yeah, I've kept myself busy the past year, so not much fun has been had, but now we are having a lot of fun. So that's for sure. As you were, as you were busy completing your master's degree, of course, but definitely do do you find that it's like, is Florida home for you now, as opposed to going, going back home to New York is Florida home. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Like (laughs) there's, there's been talks of like, Oh, maybe I'll go visit Texas or things like that. But honestly, like a lot of fun to be had here. The beaches are awesome. And I feel like my life's like kind of turned into like a little movie. Uh, so it's couldn't get any better than it is right now. So that sounds amazing. Yeah. The, the weather is something you can't be beat and being in the Tampa area and like, it's a great place for being in fitness as well. Like you're, you're in and with the, the MI 40 gym, which is obviously for people who know, you know, know what that is. And like, that's a, that's a place to be. That's a, that's a something in fitness, not just, you know, community center gym. So it makes a lot of sense. Well, yeah. It was, uh, interesting. Cause like when when I moved here after COVID and everything, uh, they had just reopened. I think it was like the first time they opened the gym to like the public. So I had no idea what it was like before I moved. Um, but I think at the time there was like 14 members and, you know, you'd go in and be like, Hey guys, what's up? And there, there'd be like nobody there. Uh, so I got super close with a lot of the people there and Adam's a head trainer there now. And, Um, It's definitely like a family type of vibe. And now we all have like key cards and it's super fancy and there's like a hundred members. So I really got to see it um, kind of explode from, I guess I would call it rock bottom to like this new type of environment. Um, And it's just a cool place to be. So. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I've seen it obviously online, never, never been, but it's always nice to see these places like make it through COVID. Obviously it was a very tough time for gyms, like even in Florida where things were, a lot more relaxed, let's say, than, than the rest of, of the United States and Canada. Um, but it's nice to see these places come through and continue just to thrive and, and survive and, and you know, spread spread the fitness, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I Yeah, I remember being in like upstate New York and everything and the gyms were closed down. Like uh, I was doing hip thrusts on cinder blocks in the backyard with my mom. And <laughs> I remember I remember when we like actually got to go to a real gym and I was like, wow, this is so awesome. I literally did nothing but go to school for my bachelor's degree and work out. And that was amazing. And I was living at home. So it was uh, quite interesting. Yeah. What a, what a transformation over, over a couple of years, both literally and, and figuratively. Yeah, seriously, both. <laughs> both. For, for, for people who don't know about you, uh, give yourself a quick, quick introduction, you know, who you are and what it is you do. Obviously, we've already talked about fitness, but, but how do you explain what it is that you do? For sure. So again, my name is Brooke Morso. Uh, currently just finished my master's degree from the University of South Florida. Uh, prior to that, I was a division one college swimmer at St. Bonaventure University. 
Um, I ended up graduating with my bachelor's degree in biomedical sciences from CUCA College, um, specifically really was into like metabolism and I would call it more of like bench science. So very much like research lab, um, pipettes, tubes, protein purification, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I finished up that degree, was always into fitness um, during swimming. Uh, when I quit swimming, I really kind of used fitness as my own outlet. Um, and I found out it was a way to like deal with things. Um, I swam for 11 years prior to getting into fitness and bodybuilding. Um, I got into bodybuilding shows, I guess, from my cousin. I was just like, well, I guess uh, I'm going to do it. And I remember, here's a funny story. I remember working at a beach that summer, getting enough money, hiring my first fitness coach when I was 17. My dad was beyond upset. Um, eight months later, I come back and I'm like, dad, I'm going to go to South Carolina. The bodybuilding show is this week. And he's like, all right, whatever. And it's pretty much how I got into bodybuilding. Had no idea what it was. Um, I finished that up, gained a bunch of weight back. Um, and I, and I competed again to lose the body fat. Um, and I really, I guess this, these past few years, I really discovered like, okay, what are not only like the science and everything, but what are the actual psychological, physical nutrition, like all of the aspects of like a holistic body transformation in the lens of like lifestyle fitness. Um, I, I guess like to describe me, like I've been like an all in type of person in the past, so I think I've always just like went to extremes and I know like a lot of clients and a lot of people just think everything needs to be super extreme. Um, I definitely did. I don't know if you can relate any to that, but um, I think the last year I've really found my way with like lifestyle fitness. And I think that's kind of just like what I've always wanted. Um, I really have no intentions of competing again, but I do do photo shoots just for like mini goals. Um, pretty much that's kind of what I do now. Um, and now, now that I'm done with a master's degree and did all the research, did all the science, did all of that stuff, um, kind of just settled on loving the aspect of like human connection, um, signed my LLC for physique by science a year ago and have just kind of went all in, in the direction of lifestyle, fitness and body transformation. Yeah. So that's amazing. I love that you said that where it came from, like it came from, you know, just to deal with stuff from a, from a psychological aspect, you know, just to deal with the things of life at first, it turned into something that was extreme. And, you know, we could put a question mark on whether that was healthy or unhealthy, but doesn't matter because it's in the past and, and it's led to all of this. Another thing that I love about that is where you took that heavy science background with like, you know, let's say like little application in the lab kind of thing, and then applied that to actual life. And it's like, okay, how do we, how do we do this? Another thing you said a lot of things, but another thing that I'm going to want to just point out there that you said is you started off by saying, applying it with the psychological, not yeah. necessarily, Oh, what are my macros to lose weight? Like that's yeah. kind of easy, let's say, right. It's, it's simplistic in nature to a degree dealing with all of the psychological aspects that go into creating a body transformation, losing weight or making fitness a part of one's life. That is way more difficult and there's no true answer to that uh that we can just paint the, the population with across the board so so that's 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 quite a journey that's quite a journey yeah absolutely and like that's i think that's where it starts for everybody in terms of like okay well i want to get fit 
and everybody is like, okay, these are the macros that you need to eat. Like this, these, these are the numbers that you need to eat. And like, when I first started out, like I was a super big, like sugar-free fan, like, like I would go, everybody knew this, but anybody who knows me, that's listening to this, especially from college, it's like, I definitely would like go to McDonald's and be like, yep, I got it. 30 carbs. Like it fits. It's awesome. And I'm like prepping for a bodybuilding show, like have no idea about nutrients or whatever. And, um, a lot of, a lot of the things that I know now, I was like, man, I wish I could just kind of go back and repaint the picture. Uh, because you can eat a lot more food if you choose whole foods, just saying like, you don't <laughs> need to eat super little amounts of food or things like that. But, um, yeah, that, that's a huge part of the picture beyond just macros. Um, and I know, I know I sent you my master's thesis and everything, and you took a look at that. And I think like the whole like takeaway from that was like seeing lifestyle transformation from the lens of, okay, there needs to be some type of like physical training, um, that's going to change your body. There needs to be some type of cardio activity that you need to do. Um, there needs to be some type of nutritional, nutritional approach. And I think one of the things that people are more, more now recognizing is the psychological aspect and all of these things intertwine into a holistic body lifestyle transformation. Um, I find if like one of those things is off balance, um, I definitely notice. And it's usually because something else is off as well, like nutrition. Uh, so it all, it all kind of intertwines. Yeah. To make the most complete transformation, you need, you need all the pieces and, and you can have success to, to certain degrees missing part of it for short periods of time. But I think the piece that makes it stick is putting it all together. And, and I, I've said this before, I'm going to lay out a statement and get your thoughts on it. I think that most people who need to lose a significant amount of weight or want to lose a significant amount of weight and have been struggling for some time would do better to see a psychologist than they would to see a nutritionist or a trainer. What do you think about that? Well, I think in the lens of a psychologist, um, it really depends on the nutrition or transformation coach you're hiring because I think in the aspect of initially starting, it all comes from this area of self-awareness. It's like, okay, well, I, I think I, I think I don't like what I look like right now. Okay, that that's step number one. And I think a huge part for me was I never really defined my personal values before. Like I never really had this connection with myself to understand maybe, well, why do I actually want to make a change in the way that I look? Well, maybe it's because on the inside, something I don't like or things like that. Um, but I, I remember personally, I'm not afraid to share, but like I, I personally sought out like therapy for like seven to eight months straight. Um, and that was in response to somebody asking me, well, what's your story? And what, and I think that was the moment where I was like, I had to relay it back. And I'm like, well, what is my story? Well, why am I into fitness? Well, well, maybe I'm just doing it for these reasons or just understanding that and then connecting it to reasons as to why you do the things that you do on a daily basis. I think that kind of provides some girth to like, okay, well, this is why I'm going to follow my training plan. This is why I'm going to follow my nutrition plan. So I think you need to lay the foundations with that. Um, and I don't know if it needs to be from a professional psychologist or um, you just need to be asked the right questions, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. And I think that that's fair. I think maybe a better way to phrase my my statement would be to take a psychological approach and it doesn't necessarily have to be from 
a professional and obviously, you know, we'd be careful how we do that. You know, as fitness people, not psychologists, blah, blah, blah. But, <laughs> but you do have to think about why you're doing this and what are the real reasons. It's, it's one thing, you know, a client comes to you, oh, I want to lose some weight. Okay, great. So does everybody else. Why do you want to lose that weight? What is it about? Why do you want to gain strength? Why do you want to do this? Why do you want to fit into that new dress or that old suit or whatever it is? And understanding that is very often a much more powerful motivator and inspiration to continue doing the thing and kind of like stick through the plan, whatever the plan is, rather than, oh, I just want to lose 10 pounds. Because that aesthetic kind of, it's a little bit fleeting. I think it's part of it for sure. And it's something that we need to kind of like lean into and play into, but it's not often strong enough to like go through it because it's difficult. It's difficult to make these changes. Especially as you get leaner, it, the desire to, this is very true. The desire to overeat and eat off your plan increases the less body fat you have. Um, and it's due to like your body fats, like natural set point and things like that. Um, but basically the leaner you are, the harder it is to stay really lean. So for me personally, I've been very, very lean, like 120 pounds lean. And I've also been 175 pounds, not lean. Um, so I find just being through all different phases, it's very easy to go from 175 to 150. And then it gets a little bit harder to go from 150 to 140. What I'm experiencing right now, I'm like, well, the first 25 pounds are really great. And now I'm like, okay, well, I, I need to be a little bit more on point if I want to get to the next level. And I think a lot of people um, that inquiry with me, especially are like, okay, well, I understand macros. I understand this, but there seems to be more to the story than just like training and like eating right. Like, I don't know why it's not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, I think another aspect of that is some people don't realize what it actually takes to achieve the goal that they think they want. They might right. see a photo of someone in a magazine or on TV or something. and like, Oh, I want to look like that person. And it's like, okay, well, let's, let's see, let's get close to that. And then let's make a, a judgment because maybe those last 10 pounds, the things that you're going to have to do, or one is going to have to do to get those last 10 pounds down, they're just not willing to do that. If that means, you know, no wine with your friends, no, no dinners out and like this, you know, very regimented lifestyle or whatever it might be, it's probably for, for some people it might not be worth it. And then you just kind of got to adjust the goals from there. Yeah. And I, and I think that's really like the tipping point between like lifestyle lean and like bodybuilding lean mm -hmm. uh, because for a female specifically, and I could talk about males too, but like the typical range for like a body fat percentage for a female within the range of lifestyle lean is going to be anywhere from like 18 to 21 to 22%. Um, I find like the closer you get to like 16, 15%, the less happy you are as like in a human being. And it's, and I think if you're eating like very regimented, like whole foods only, like no snacks, no fun, I think it's really easy to maintain like a very, very lean physique, but then that comes the question of like, okay, do you want to live like a test animal or do you want to like go out and eat and, and you know, have a little bit of fun or have a drink here and there? Um, because I think that's something I personally discovered with my own fitness is I was, I'm really good at following a plan, but I never really understood what it meant to live out. Okay. What is lifestyle fitness? okay, what is it like having an untracked meal and not eating everything? Because uh, that was a huge problem for me. And I know that's a huge problem for a lot of people, um, especially the leaner you get. Right. So I've really tapped into that this year. And I think I've gotten very, very successful at 
okay, well, the weekends, sometimes I just don't track food for two to three days and it's great. But during the week, it's like, okay, I know, I know what I need to do. Um, very like business-like mentality. And then on the weekend, it's like, all right, we're going to have some fun, but I'm not going to abuse or um, go out of the, go out of my personal values to the point where now my goals are just not even in sight. Um, and you can definitely feel that on the inside when you're living outside your values. So yeah. you feel yeah. like you're, you feel like you're damaging your body. It's like eating that sixth slice of pizza. Like it, it doesn't feel good. It, yeah. it almost never feels good, right? It's like, it's, it sounds good at the time, but then after it's like, oh, I don't feel good physically and like emotionally, you just, you feel like crap. And how many times can we do that to ourselves until we realize like, I, I got to stop that, you know, two right. pieces was enough or three, whatever it was. Like, I didn't need that sixth one. That's, that's just too many things, right? Too much pizza. One thing that you that you mentioned there just about the, the body fat percentage, just to compare, what would be the body fat percentage for females who are like getting on stage for, for a fitness bodybuilding competition? Okay. Yeah. Um, so when I did my research on this, um, a lot of different sites, um, like the ACSM, a lot of the different books have different reference points. So I've kind of taken that into my own uh, personal reference as well as kind of what makes the most sense. Um, and then the aspect of like a stage lean, right? So like when we look on a bodybuilding stage, we see females at mm, like 11 and a half to upwards of 13%. The leanest female I have ever seen was 10.1%. And she was in, she actually came into the physique, um, the human, the human performance lab this year. I was like, guys, this is the leanest female we've ever seen. We were all super excited. Um, but yeah, 10% was the leanest female I've ever seen. Yeah. Which is, so, which is quite a ways down from in and around 20%, right. Which is more absolutely. of that lifestyle lean. Right. And I think it just, the reason I asked that, that question, just to, just to paint the picture between like that, that is competition. That is the sport of bodybuilding and that is like for a purpose. But I, I would imagine that even that woman being at 10.1% body fat would probably say that this is like not healthy and that's not how she's going to live the rest of her life. Like at 10% body fat. Right. No, I, I would say not. And a lot of people after a show, um, for those of you guys who have competed or have been with coaches are like, all right, you need to gain body fat back. But the question becomes, well, how much body fat do I actually need to gain back? And do I need to get fat? I think a lot of people who do shows for the first time are like very nervous because they're like off season. Yeah. And then they end up gaining a bunch of weight back. That was my personal experience because I didn't understand what the actual healthy range of lifestyle lifestyle lean is. And to answer your next question, anywhere from like 16 to 21 to 22 percent, I would say would be like a lifestyle lean. Um, 16 is kind of on the low end. Um, 18 to 19 would probably be like, depending on your body composition, would probably be like visible, like starting to see like visible lines in like a girl's like six pack. Right. Um, 16 to 17% would be like beach six pack for a girl. Um, and to compare that to a guy. So stage lean for a guy would be like three to 4% body fat. And that's comparable to a female's 11 to 14%. So you're almost seeing a 10% difference there, right? which yeah. I think a lot, of, a lot of people get shocked when they hear that. Yeah. Yeah. But when you just think about like a woman's body and a man's body, makes right. a little bit <laughs> makes a little bit more sense but yeah the numbers are 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 misleading sometimes to if you're just hearing it without without any context but to to maintain that like you know 20 to 21 even you know 6 17 18 like that's reasonable like you can live your life and still be lean you don't have to be 
crazy regimented to be able to do that. And I think that's probably the part that most people struggle with is how do I make this part of my life? It's one thing to, you know, diet down, do something wild for a couple months to get ready for a show or to get ready for a vacation or a wedding or something like that. And then, well, now what? Now I just blow back up to like 30% and like no one wants that, right? So it's like putting all the pieces together. That's the, that's the real tough part here. Right. And I, and I think if you see it from the lens of understanding the transformation process and the timeline that you have, uh, because again, like you can, you can lose body fat at a very fast rate. Uh, you can, but you need to understand, okay, after I lose this weight, what is the process that I need to go through to maintain the fat loss that I've just sacrificed myself for? Um, I would say like, I, I know Dr. Bill Campbell did a rapid fat loss study and in the aspect of like slashing calories back to like 1000, 1200 calories, like very, very, very rapid. Um, and I think on average it was around three, three to five pounds of body fat loss in a two week period of time. Um, but it's like, okay, well you just went through that transformation and do you really want to gain that weight back immediately? And to put that into perspective, here's a true or false for you. True or false. It takes 35 to 40 chocolate chip cookies on top of your maintenance calories to gain one pound of body fat back. Yeah, I mean, that would be probably, I don't know, I wouldn't know, I would know how to count up the calories of that, but I mean, yeah, I, I guess true ish, but like it's ish. True ish, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would say yes, because realistically, when you, when you see it from like a gaining weight perspective, I only gained a significant amount of weight after my shows because I totally had a binge eating problem. Um, totally admitting it, not embarrassed. It's the truth. So in the aspect of gaining a substantial amount of body fat back, it takes around 35 to 4,000 additional calories on top of somebody's maintenance calories. So you would have to eat like 65 to seven 6,500 to 7,000 calories per day to gain one pound of body fat back per day. Uh, that's a substantial amount of food yeah. per day. Yeah. And that's, that's when we see it from the lens of like, okay, if you're eating a whole food diet, you're likely, your chances of overeating are going to be very slim, very, very slim. So, so when somebody ends a diet, I typically recommend them doing like reverse dieting from like a whole foods perspective. Um, because your chances of overeating is going to be substantially lower. Right. Interesting. So, so what are your thoughts on, on the, wh why do you recommend reverse dieting? We're going to go backwards here in terms of like talk about the after, and then we'll talk about your process, but that's okay. So yeah. why, why do you like reverse dieting and define it just quickly for anyone who doesn't know? And then, and then how, how do you, why do you like it? So reverse dieting is the process that needs to take place after a dieting phase is over. Um, typically someone would go through a reverse diet who's been dieting for a longer period of time. So I would say like anywhere from like 16 to like 24 ish weeks. So like a typical, like half year body fat loss. Um, some people, some people have been dieting for multiple years and just, just to think about it from the lens of like the length of time that you spend dieting, you need to spend equal amount of time, pretty much restoring your metabolic rate. Um, so when you diet, your metabolic rate does slow down temporarily, but it's restored through the process of reverse dieting. Um, so for example, 
for a female, a typical metabolic rate um, can go anywhere from like 1550. And as you lose weight, you don't need as much food to operate. So if a girl grows from 150 pounds to 135, her metabolic rate will probably go from around 1550 to anywhere to like 1350. Um, so with this new body of like 135 pounds, all you need to do is go through something called a reverse diet. You can go through a, re a reverse diet through slowly increasing your calories over time, or there's something called a recovery diet process. Um, I don't think there's been any research done on recovery type of approaches, but you typically take your calories immediately back to maintenance level. Um, pros and cons is the slower you reverse out of a calorie deficit, the chances of gaining body fat go extremely down. But your desire to overeat goes up and your chances of overeating goes up. Um, with the recovery diet, you go back to maintenance, but your likelihood of gaining body fat faster increases, but your desire to eat will probably go down. So if you know you're the type of person who overeats, it's probably going to be recommended that you do a recovery approach. But if you understand the process of reverse dieting and understand the timeline, and that's explained to you, you just need to ask yourself, well, can I commit to this for X amount of time and keep my stuff together? Um, that's pretty much what you need to understand. So yeah. does, that, does that make sense? Did I, Absolutely. Did I, no, it, it makes it makes perfect sense to me, and I'm happy that you you spoke about both sides of that because it's not like either one of those is the right answer for everyone. And and the way that I've always thought about like you know slowly increasing calories back up to maintenance is that it's more of um it's almost more of a psychological tool than it is like a physiological sure. tool. For I know this for myself, and this is again like N of one, my own thing. I recently went through like a big fat loss thing, dropped a whole bunch of weight, whatever. And when I was done, I just immediately went back up to maintenance. But like you said, I know that for myself, I can I'm not going to blow it up and like go way higher. I'm gonna like stay at maintenance and control it. And it's been a month or so since then, and I've been at the same. So like you know that that works for me, but I don't necessarily think that that would work for every other person. Right. So I think that the point to make there is just like, yes, physiologically, both of them will work, but the slowly, the slow ramping back up of calories is a great tool right. to use to get used to eating a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more so that you're not just going to blow back up again and have to start the whole process after you just did six months of dieting all over again. I think one thing as well is like in the beginning, when I went through my first reverse diet. Um, it was not explained to me, well, how long am I going to have to do this for? Uh, so I think the desire and like to go off plan was like, well, I can't, I can't do this forever. This, this totally sucks. So I was like, you know, I'm done, whatever. And then I would just go off the plan. I wish it was explained to me like, Hey, like this, this is going to take 10 weeks or this is going to take 12 weeks and then we can be done. Uh, so for example, right now I'm working with a client he has been in a caloric deficit, like eating 13 to 1400 calories for like a six foot two man for like two years. Oh my God. And, and yeah. And I'm just like, man, like you need to go through a reverse diet and this is the timeline. This is how long it should take. And this is probably how much you're going to be eating at the end of this. I think explaining that from the beginning gives a little bit of like hope. It's like, okay, I'm going to be able to eat more. And if I commit to this for X amount of time, I know I can do it. And if I don't, these are going to be the physical and also mental consequences of going off the plan as well. Uh, so I think explaining the timeline and the process 
beforehand is super important, especially from like a coach's perspective. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think it would be strange for a coach to like not explain that. But I mean, you know, we're, we're not calling out anyone here, but <laughs> no, absolutely not. But through my own personal experience, <laughs> yes, in yeah. the beginning, it was like, man, like I got fat on accident. I wish someone not on accident, but it was like, man, I, I wish I would have just stayed to the plan because honestly, like you can, you can maintain a very lean physique and some, some girls, like my, my size, like I'm five foot four, like about being lean, like 135, 140 pounds. Like some girls can eat like 28, 29, 3000 calories. If they follow a whole like fat loss and reverse dieting process. Um, I remember my calories were up that high. And then I started, then I started getting loose and frugal. And it was like, man, like when your calories are already that high and your cardio is low and you're going off plan, it's like, mm, you better watch it because the body fat will come on for sure. Yeah. And, and the unfortunate truth of it is like smaller bodies need less food, male, male or female. Like right. you see some, you need some, you know, or see some like, you know, big, huge bodybuilder guys They're you know, they're maybe they're six, two and like 240 pounds. Like, yeah, that guy can eat for, you know, a lot of calories, like a lot. And so to think of that, like, oh, he does it. So I want to do it too. It's like, well, you know, a guy like me, like I'm five, six, I can't be, I can't be doing that because I'm not, I'm not that big. Right. Right. So you just have to kind of, we have to just understand that. And like smaller people in general just need less calories because there's less of us to, to, to be fueled. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Personally, like I would rather, I don't know about you, Daniel, but I would rather like commit to like running three to four times a week. Like I personally enjoy it. And then I get to like eat more food. Um, this is from like a lifestyle fitness perspective. It's like, I always used to see things from the lens of like, man, cardio, like, Oh, that sucks. Um, especially working out at like a bodybuilding gym. It's like, they're like, well, why are you doing all this cardio? And like, <laughs> when's your next, when's your next show? And I'm like, getting ready for the beach on Sunday. Like it's going to be a great time or like this photo shoot. And I, I think I've I think people are kind of in awe because it's like, well, this this isn't this isn't normal. It's like, well, why aren't you just incline walking? Like, why are you running and <laughs> lifting and working out for like this long? It's like, because I because I really enjoy it, and I think when you actually enjoy like your fitness, it's now it's like not a pro, not a task. It's kind of just another thing that you just do. Yeah, finding that thing that you enjoy is is so difficult as well. Right. But making it a part of your life is that's what's going to make it stick. Working out always for a purpose. So I have to do my incline walk on the treadmill because I have to lose weight. It's like, well, that just sounds like torture and like negativity to me. Whereas like, oh, I want to go for a run because I want to run down by the beach. I like the, you know, the way the, the, the ocean smells and I like the way I feel when I run like, okay, great. Like that's full of positivity, full of like good things. And you're going to stick to that from now until you know, forever. Like there's no forever. reason why, why you would stop doing that. And that's how you stay fit forever. Now, if you're being a, you know, again, an athlete bodybuilder, maybe that's not the best thing to do for, for being a bodybuilder. But if you're not trying to do that, then you don't have to do those things. Right. And that goes you know, right. for, for everybody. Right. And, and I think another approach, especially for lifestyle fitness, and this is something um, I know we talked about a lot in like my master's class and things like that. It was like, during the week, a lot of people tend to like cut back calories. And then on the weekend, they'll have like two on track days or two free meals and not have the stress of like tracking. And personally, that's what, that's what I really enjoy is like, I think it's called train low and like recover high in the aspect mm-hmm. of like, 
uh, during the week, it's you kind of cut it back. And in the weekend, it's like, okay, you go out, maybe you have a little pizza, maybe a little ice cream, little cookies, things like that. Um, it's a lot of fun. But at the end of the day, okay, how many calories are you eating and how many are you burning? And are you losing weight or gaining weight? And how do you feel? Are you having fun? And yeah, if you, if you can answer those questions, I think that can really kind of mold your, your approach to like your process. Are you, are you a fan of kind of thinking about things on a weekly basis where how you just mentioned, you know, you'd be a little bit lower on the, during the week, a little bit higher on the weekend and as far as calories and, but over the week, if you count up, you know, you need X calories during a day times seven, if you count it up, you're kind of at that maintenance. Are you a fan of starting to think about things that way as opposed to like, oh, I was, I need to be below or whatever every single day? I think in the aspect of lifestyle fitness, for me personally, I personally enjoy eating like very, I, w- I wouldn't say rigid, but like I would call it like quote unquote clean, like nutrient dense food during the week because it helps with work performance, um, like mental clarity, focus, things like that. And then in the aspect of like the weekends, um, I do like roughly know what I'm eating, but in the aspect of like calories in versus calories out, I know a lot of people like quote unquote blow it up on the weekends. Um, but if they just pulled it back during the week and kind of looked at it from like a very like business mindset, like, okay, this is business. Like I need to eat this way to feel this way, to perform this way, maybe in my job or for my kids or things like that. Um, and then on the weekends, it's like, okay, well, I realistically can probably eat like 12,000 calories this weekend. And I, I'm still going to be losing body fat. Uh, and I know, I know I spoke about the client that I was reverse dieting before and he's very much a fan of, okay, during the week, I'm going to, you know, follow my meal plan or follow these macros and free meal on Fridays, long bike ride on Saturdays, um, enjoy time with the family. And I think, I think from my aspect of like learning how to do lifestyle fitness, it's been really cool for me to like take what I've learned and like help people who are wanting to do lifestyle fitness, live lifestyle fitness um, especially from like business CEO, like mom type of mindset. Um, and I think it took me like getting extremely fat and then having to like learn lifestyle fitness to like appreciate what it actually is. So, yeah. Do, do you mean to say that during the week eating like McDonald's and Chick-fil-A and chips every day doesn't make you feel good? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I mean, okay. Well, we do have to have a debate about Popeye's versus Chick-fil-A, which I did discover the difference this past weekend. Okay. What's, what's Um, the difference? Okay. So Chick-fil-A is like, nothing can replace the sauce, but Popeye's chicken sandwich is like a legit chicken breast. It's a pretty thick, but you just need to get the Chick-fil-A sauce with the Popeye's chicken sandwich and then it's good. Oh, interesting. (laughs) I I got food poisoning from Popeye's once like a few years ago and I I just can't like the thought of it makes me feel sick, unfortunately. But in my first year of undergrad, I had Popeye's two to three times a week, let's say it was, and it was, it was delicious, but, uh, and oh, we just yeah. got Chick-fil-A like recently in, uh, in Toronto. So that's been, that's been a game changer. You, you've had it though, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I've had, I've had it in, in, in Florida and in, in the U S before, but, but I was at least live downtown right near the Chick-fil-A. So I didn't go to often like, you know, every now and then, but, uh, yeah, it's definitely, you guys definitely have way better fast food than we do. That's for sure. <laughs> Saturdays is Chick-fil-A and chill. Nice. <laughs> But, but, but getting back to it, just about the, about the, the regularity of the diet, it's like that, that client that you mentioned, someone who's dieting so hard or claims to be dieting so hard, eating a thousand, 1200 calories for some, such a, such a large person, 
and they haven't actually lost weight over a year. Right. We kind of know that there's no way that they've actually been eating that many calories because it just doesn't make any sense. So maybe right. there are days where they do that, but over the long term, like their average is not that many calories, right? Is that something that you've kind of found with, with this person and with others? Well, in the aspect of other people and things like that, um, this guy is doing a reverse diet. Uh, before he was literally just eating 13 to 1400 calories for a good like year plus. Um, and he's without like a bunch of evidence or things like that. He's definitely probably experienced like metabolic adaptation from that aspect. So um, in the past, same thing, like took someone through a reverse diet and I think it was like 1300, like upwards of like 2400 calories with like a free meal during the week and the guy came out with like a shredded six pack through the process and i'm just like okay this definitely works and this is a lot of fun um and now the guy does like modeling and things like that like in japan and that was cool uh but it's just cool taking someone through that process not only from like a coach's perspective but like just like the client like being in awe and things like that um it's pretty cool as well um but back to what we were saying about like nutrients during the week, like eating a nutrient dense diet during the week is definitely game changer in terms of just from the lens of like overall performance. Um, if you want to think your best, like 80 to 90% of the time, especially during the week, I would highly recommend like a nutrient dense diet. Um, and I guess nutrient dense would mean from the aspect of not processed food, like whole food protein sources, like whole food carb sources, like sweet potatoes, vegetables, fruit, things like that. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I 100% agree with that. I'm not really a fan of the like, the let's go totally like if it fits your macros, as long as it fits like you're good. I think that that's, I think that that's doing a disservice. And, and my opinion of this is like, it's almost lazy. There's, there was a quote, I, someone, someone said it where, where he said in a lot of these, if it fits your macros only type of diets, they think about the body as if it's only made of muscle and fat tissue. And we don't have a brain, we don't have liver, we don't have kidneys, we don't have all these other organs. And it's like, we have all this other stuff that needs to be taken care of that needs to be optimized. It's not just about calories in calories out. There's a whole, like that might be the thing that determines our weight but that's not the thing that determines everything about us. There are plenty of thin, quote unquote, lean people, otherwise healthy body composition who are wildly unhealthy. And we all know them. And, and that just, you know, goes to kind of prove the point that there's more, there's more to it. So yeah, I, I'm hundred percent with you that nutrient dense is the way to go. And yeah, you don't need to be a stickler. You can still enjoy stuff here and there, but there's, there's so much more to it than just the amount of body fat that's on your body. Like that is one thing, but that is one very small thing in the grand scheme of being a optimally performing human for whatever it is that you do in your life, even if you're just living. Right. Um, and I think, I think a lot of that's going to connect back to uh, like the gut microbiome, um, like the gut brain axis in, in the aspect of like your stomach directly talks to your brain. And after reading like research on this and doing my own, like, investigation I'll say and then I like apply it to my own life it's like okay well if I eat like a bunch of cookies well I, I'm probably going to be a lot more hungry and if that's all I eat is like cookies like I'm not going to feel like mentally the best and then I'll start getting a little bit of anxiety experience things like depression a little bit and 
only because I know about the gut brain axis and things like that. And I'm like, well, I need to go eat some protein and vegetables right now to solve this problem um, and things like that. So when you see it from, okay, I'm going to eat nutrient dense food because I know it directly affects the way that I feel, think, and a lot of clients specifically will be like, wow, like I've never felt this good in terms of like when you take macros and you lay it out into like a flexible meal plan, they're like, well, okay, well now I actually know how to eat and this makes sense. Um, and then in the aspect of like, okay, go out to eat. Well, then a lot of people get super like confused and it's just like the same chicken breasts in the restaurants, the same chicken breast at home, same steak is same steak. Like stop being scared, like stop it. Like you don't need a food scale to the restaurant. Like I used, I used to be that person. I totally was and uh, super glad I'm not anymore, but um, I know a lot of people that still are. So, yeah. And like, and that's okay for, for bodybuilding. If that's your sport and you're like making tons of life sacrifices to accomplish that goal, then like, yeah, you you know, you you gotta, you gotta understand the trade-offs that come with it. And that might be one of them. But for 99.9% of people who are not competing in bodybuilding competitions, there is there is never a reason to bring a scale to a restaurant or be overly obsessive about your macros or about the amounts of food that you're eating. And, and, and it just, it creates more problems than it solves for sure. I think in the, I think if, if you have experience with tracking macros and you take a second to stop and like, look at the scale and go, okay, well, that's, that's six ounces of chicken. What does that actually look like on my hand to the point where it's like, okay, well, I don't need to weigh my food all the time. Um, I know what a serving of food is and to the point where you can use your hand to then go out and be like, okay, well, that's probably a, a serving. Um, and, and that's pretty much all it takes, um, especially in the aspect of like carbs, right? So it's like, if you're seeing a lot of food, it's like, okay, that's probably like four servings. Um, I've gotten to the point where I can look at food and I know I can tell people the macros in their food just from looking at it. Uh, I started tracking macros when I was 15. So I'm now 24 years old. That's early. So it's been a, it's been a while. Yeah. I I also went through a period where I tracked things like very meticulously weighed everything, you know, did that whole thing. And I, and I agree with you that it gave me the skill quote unquote, of being able to eyeball things close enough. I can look at a plate of food and understand, ah, it's like roughly about this much. One thing that I've also felt, and I, and I kind of use this for myself during my recent transformation was just the way that I feel and paying attention to like my hunger cues. So I lost all the weight that I lost and whatever. I didn't weigh anything or track anything once. I just kind of eyeballed things and, and kept track very loosely. But then I was like, how hungry am I? That's about how hungry I should feel to be losing the weight at the rate that I wanted to be losing at, keeping track of my weight every day and how things are moving. And if things weren't moving fast enough for me, then I would make some adjustments. And if they're moving too fast, then I would also make some adjustments. And so getting in tune with your body, and I think you mentioned this very, very early on about awareness and how that's like really the first step. And it can be awareness of the food that we're actually eating. It can be awareness of how the food that we're eating makes us feel, awareness of how that food helps you sleep, how that food affects the performance in in the gym, how everything affects everything that you do and just being fully aware of yourself in all aspects. Right. Really like just helps you with everything. Well, that and I also think in the aspect of connecting it back to emotions, right? So like for me it's like are you using are you emotionally just wanting to eat right now? Are you bored? Mm-hmm. Or are you actually hungry? 
And I, and I think going back to like your, your body transformation and things like that, that was huge. That was huge for you. Um, in the aspect of like not even tracking food. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah. Talk about, I want to hear about like your transformation a little bit more because that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely people, people who have listened to previous episodes will have heard a little bit about it. So, um, I spent all of last year, not all of last year. So we had the crazy lockdowns and stuff like wasn't in the gym. This was going back to like end of 2020 now. So I got in like amazing shape summer of 2020. And then there was crazy lockdowns. Wasn't in the gym for like eight months. And I was just like focused on other stuff. So like wasn't really working out. I lost a whole bunch of weight, just like a whole bunch of muscle, like about almost 15 pounds or so. I went to Florida June of last year and I, and I made a plan to gain as much muscle as I could in as fast as I could. So I gave myself six months to eat as much as I could, um, and also get fat on purpose. So I did a heavy, like dirty bulk. I was eating as much as I could, forcing myself to eat. It was like very uncomfortable, um, but I did it. And then the thought process behind that was one, just maximize muscle protein synthesis and two, get a little bit fat so that I can display the fat loss process afterwards. Then what I did from January for six weeks, I just did like a pretty strict uh, caloric restriction. I I estimate I was at about 1400-ish calories per day, but only six weeks hard stop after six weeks, then went four weeks of maintenance and then another six weeks of the same. And then, and then that was it. And I lost about 20, 27, 28 pounds in that, in those two weeks stints combined. Um, and I didn't need to track food because, because again, like I had done it before. So I was able to eyeball things enough for myself. I was very much in control of all the food that I was having. I didn't have a lot of like social obligations or things where I couldn't say no to or was going to be forced to eat junk food or anything like that, um, mm-hmm. which is unique. And that's not, that's not typical of most situations, but I organized myself. I said no to some, to some social outings and stuff like that. And, but it was a very short period of time and I did that and that's not my life. And right. now I'm just like back at maintenance and kind of like living normally and staying here back to the body composition that I kind of enjoy being at and can easily maintain for myself. The way that I made sure that I was still in a deficit, like I said, was just checking my hunger cues. Every day I would like, I would have to leave myself feeling just a little bit hungry. And that sounds torturous and like horrible. And this is why like, I don't really recommend doing things the way that I did it. I did it super fast and super aggressive because I knew that I could stick to it for that short period of time. I didn't yeah. set out to diet in and, uh, deprive myself for six months in a row. It was six weeks where I knew I was just going to go like hundred percent all out and then it was over. And and so I knew I could do that. I could manage my expectations without dragging it on much longer than it had to be. And I think that was a, a big part of it too. But so I was able to manage my, my hunger, say like, okay, I'm a little bit hungry. That means I'm pretty good. Weigh myself every morning. Things were trending down about two, two-ish pounds per week, trending down kind of as fast as I wanted them to. Um, and if it was ever slowing down, I was like, okay, got to you know, tighten up the food a little bit, or if it was going too fast, which did happen at a few times, like I can eat a little bit more than I am. So that's the, that's how I, how we did it in a, in a nutshell. Okay, cool. Yeah. And I like the, the rapid fat loss, like honestly, yeah. See things from the lens of like, okay, this needs to take 16 to 25 weeks. It needs to be perfect. Things like that. But I think that can describe like almost like my fat loss as well. Cause I was just like, you know, like I want this going as fast as possible. I'm just sick of it. Like whatever. Um, and in the beginning it was kind of slow and I was doing it at a slow rate and I was just like, okay, I just want it off. And I, and I remember there was just a good four week period where I just went super hard with dieting. 
uh, just again, I don't even think again, I don't even think I tracked my food like super, super rigid during that time. I just ate a high protein diet with like a bunch of vegetables and nutrient dense food. Um, I think it comes from the lens of like using fiber as a tool to stay full. And I didn't eat the same food every day, but I, I knew what food made me feel the best. And I just ate a lot of that at different times um, on top of going to school and everything. Uh, so I was super busy outside of just the diet and things like that. So um, kind of was just my own personal mission. So I ended up losing all that weight. And I guess like for the past month, I, I guess my body composition has been improving, but the, my body weight hasn't really changed much. Um, I have been being very social though. Um, so I've been going out, having a lot of fun, things like that in the weekends. Um, I think within the month of May, the next few weeks, um, going to a different, a few different festivals and things like that. But I don't know, I'm getting a little, you know, I'm getting a little impatient. So I'm just like, well, I'm going to set another photo shoot goal for the end of June to get myself into the low 140s again with like, I think the last three weeks have been like maintenance, which is good for like my metabolic rate or whatever, but I'm ready to like get it off the rest of it. So, so, so you, you are a fan and let's being a fan is not the right word, but you agree with the fact that, or the statement that the rapid fat loss is a good tool for some people, some of the time. I mean, absolutely. So like from the, from the lens of like, all right, well, I have to do X and X. I have a vacation in six weeks. Like I'm very motivated to get it off and I'll do whatever during this time. I think a lot of people, including myself, have that mindset of like, I can do this for six weeks. And I know after this six weeks, I'm going to go on vacation. I'm going to eat at maintenance and we'll assess after that. But I know no matter what, for six weeks, I'm committed to this. And it has to be like no exceptions. It, you have to be committed for those six weeks. And if you can do that, the weight will come off. Um, and then you just need to have the approach after. So I'm very, I'm very much an advocate yeah. of that. And again, we, we did already say that it does take a lot of food to gain the weight back. So once it's off, it's off. Like it really is, unless you, again, just lose self-awareness, which you just can't do. Right. Right. I think two, two super important things that you said there was one, you have to be super committed. If you're going to do the rapid thing, rapid doesn't mean you can do it rapid and easily. It's going to be hard. Like it's going to kind of suck, but it's only going to be for a short period of time. And so if you can't commit like almost 100%, that's mm -hmm. just not the thing for, for that person. And yeah. two, having a plan afterwards, doing a rapid fat loss, and then just going back to the way you were eating before you're just going to bring back those same things. It might take a little bit longer, you know, but if you're still eating at a surplus, even if it's a small, small, small surplus, you're not going to gain all that weight back in a week, but you know, six months down the road, you're going to be back to where you were. And that's not what anybody wants. We want to rapid fat loss and then, and then stay there for as long as you'd like to stay there. And then if you want to lose weight, gain weight from there, but do it with your eyes open and under your control rather than just letting things happen to you. Right. Yeah. And it just comes from, like self-awareness. So it's like, you need to create that alone space and time for self-reflection. So personally, uh, whether I have a coach or not, typically every Sunday, it's like, okay, self-reflection Sunday. It's like picture time. Like you, you got to stand up and take photos of yourself. And I think that's the ultimate number one tool of self-reflection. Uh, from a coach's perspective, I personally know people who are afraid to take photos of themselves or like, 
they're just lacking connection with self-awareness. So I'm like, yeah, you have to take the pictures. Like you just have to. And after they take those photos and they actually look at themselves, like evaluate, it's like, okay, all right, now I think I can, I think I, I know why a little bit, why I want to change. I'm not happy. And I physically see that. Um, I know personally, like when I stopped taking photos, I slowly gained weight over time. So whether I want to take photos or not, I'm taking the photos. Right. I just know. Yeah. It's just, it's just another data point. Same as like tracking weight on the scale. It shouldn't hold any emotional value to, right. to oneself, but it is, it is a data point and more data is better. It's hard to see yourself. You know, you look in the mirror, it's not necessarily the same as taking a photo. You can't see your own back. You can't see your own profile view, you know, truly. Uh, so taking photos is, is another one of those, is another one of those things where it's like, okay, we can use this and, and determine what the next steps are. Do you, do you also track your weight or have your clients track their, like their body weight, scale weight regularly? Or how do you, what are your thoughts about that? Uh, so for a client who is tr- intentionally trying to lose fat, um, I prefer someone weigh themselves like four to five times a week, um, unless they personally have an issue with the scale. And then it will be like, all right, we'll hop on there every once in a while. But I think the photos become more, more of a useful tool as well as um, I, I typically have clients do measurements like every two to three weeks. Um, and I also just started a mindset check-in. So I don't know if you've ever heard of this um, website called like a, a POMS, P-O-M-S. I haven't. Um, so it was basically developed from like a series of like research. Um, in my master's mental performance class taught by Nick Martinez, he had us do a mindset check-in every four weeks. And that really made me stop and think about, okay, well, these are the feelings that I'm feeling. And let me connect that to the lifestyle that I'm living and what I'm pursuing right now. And this can kind of explain, well, maybe why I'm you know, not doing so well in this area of my life. So literally just recently, I started implementing that into my own coaching process. And it's been just another aspect of holistic body transformation mm-hmm. um, and really touching on the psychological assessment, um, not only from like a coach's perspective, but from like a client, like thinking about, okay, well, what does that mean? What does that even mean? Because yeah. I know when I first did it, I was like, well, this is really interesting. I've never seen this before. So yeah, no, yeah. I love that. I think that, I think that this is getting, these kind of things are getting more and more, more and more love or more and more utilized over time or as of late where we're paying attention to just mental health and mental well being, like outside of the context of labeled diagnoses, like just how are you feeling? How, how are, how is your last week of training making you feeling? Not how is your body feeling? Not how much did you curl this week? Like, did you feel good? Did you feel powerful? Whatever that means to you, like then it, yes or no, whatever it is, like, then we can adjust. So I think that that's another, that's another great tool and just a way for people to really check in with themselves. Like we don't, we don't do that often enough. We don't even check in with others. Really. It's all, hi, how, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Oh, yeah. I'm busy. Oh, I'm busy. Okay. Yeah, everyone's busy. And, and we just go about our days, but we don't really check in with ourselves. And so having that directed mental health check-in or mental well-being check-in, I think that, I think that that's a fantastic idea. Yeah. And it honestly just implemented from like my own like personal like experience with it as well. So I can definitely, uh, I can definitely send it over to you and have you check it out as well. Um, Yeah, I would love to, I would love to, I'll I'll put it in the, in the, in the show notes of this as well. One thing, one other thing that I wanted to ask you, what, what did you think in, in your experience during during your transformation, what was the most difficult part of it for you? 
I think in the aspect of my transformation, um, I started out at 177 pounds. Um, I think honestly, the first four to five weeks of getting started was honestly the hardest part. Um, so to start out the transformation and everything I did, like hire my old coach back from when I was 17, I was like, look, I truly need someone to like, I, I, I don't even want to walk in the gym. Like this is embarrassing. Um, cause everybody knew me as like the lean fit person and things like that. And going from like fit to fat was like my version of fat. Anyways, it was very psychologically hard just to even like show up sometimes. So I think starting was the hardest part. And then after five to six weeks in, like, you know, like eight to nine, 10 pounds come off and I'm feeling better. My clothes are fitting better. And then it just became habitual. So I don't know about for you, but like that initial, like, okay, well, I'm going to do it. And then actually committing and following through for more than like four to five weeks was like the hardest part for me. Right. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense that just getting the ball rolling is, is the hardest part. And once you start to see some, some tangible results or some tangible change, then it's like, okay, I can, I can do this. I can like, things are happening. It's working. It's going well. And now I can, now I can roll with this. That, that exact reason is why I'm also a fan of with certain, with most people, but in different methods using a somewhat aggressive aspect of for like the first two weeks of their coaching. Like let's do something that's going to make some fast results instantly, whether that's even like cutting carbs super low, almost to zero, but like cutting it really low just because it's going to make some changes on the scale and it's going to make some changes in some ways that are like very tangible. And I always tell them, this is like, this is two weeks. This is not how it's happening. We are not doing this for the extended period of time, but Let's start like this. That way, we just get the ball rolling. We get a we get a small win really early. That gets it gets buy in from the client to the to the whole process. And it's like okay, now we can now we can work with this. Now we can go into the whole program and and see it through. But when you start off, almost in my experience, when you start off too slow, too much on the sustainable diet thing, it's very hard to see it through when people are expecting this whole like life transformation. And after four weeks of like what they deem is busting their ass, because everything is individual, like in the lens of our own life, four weeks of busting their ass, they've had, you know, half a half an inch off their waist and three pounds down. That's a great win, but they might not see it as such and then might fall off. Right. And I think like initially getting started, honestly, the first like five to five, I would say uh, about five pounds, um, especially when you're cutting carbohydrates super low you're likely losing a lot of water weight. Exactly. Uh, So in that aspect, in my personal experience, I've never really had to like cut carbs like down to zero or something crazy like that. But I think tightening up like food selection um, and maybe just like being very selective with the carbohydrates that you do choose. um, I I honestly find that to be super successful for a lot of people. I'm especially like, okay, these are the foods that you should probably choose to hit your macronutrients. And I just know how they're going to make somebody feel. Um, So somebody isn't feeling like, okay, well, I I get to eat nothing. This sucks. It's like, okay, well, just eat, hit these macros, but choose these foods. Um, And you can get like very similar results to like basically going very low carb. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. I'm not, I'm, I personally for myself enjoy eating a little bit lower carb, Mm. like not super low, but like lower than average, I guess. Mm. Um, but I think that upfront, it helps make 
better food choices for some people. This is not like across the board. Obviously, everything is individual approach, right? But it, it, it replaces, you know, having toast and cereal for breakfast. You get, you know, maybe some eggs or maybe just like maybe something that has a little bit more protein, a little bit more nutrient dense. And so it forces us to change or think about some some better food sources. Um, and, and again, yes, it's for sure like water weight. I 100% agree with that. I tell people this and like, you know, like, let's play into it. Like, let's just use it. If that's going to build up some confidence, then let's run with it. Yeah. And I think, uh, you just, you just made me think of something else that's been like super successful for me, not only in like my work life or things like that, but like, I've been, I've been a huge like proponent of like intermediate fasting Mm. in the aspect of like, I don't really eat my first meal till like one o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, so I literally just wake up and I get in a bunch of water. I drink coffee. I get a bunch of work done, uh, do my morning cardio, things like that. Um, and then I don't really think about food at all. Not at all. Um, especially for people who maybe go out at night or like go to bed super late. Um, and then, then they end up eating like super late at night, like not having your first meal till like two o'clock in the afternoon can be super helpful for a lot of people. And a lot of people are going to be like, oh my gosh, like that sucks. It's like, well, your, your body's just used to eating as soon as you wake up. And if you push most of your calories later in the day, um, you're probably not going to be hungry when you wake up. So yeah, yeah, totally agree. I personally don't like that for myself, but I, Mm -hmm. but I use it with clients. I think another huge value of intermittent fasting is, is creating this division between depending on food, understanding that you can be a little bit hungry and go for a few hours without eating. And the world is not going to end. Like Mm -hmm. hunger is not an emergency. Like anyone listening to this podcast, like we don't have a food shortage issues. Like this is not a thing that we, that we experience, thankfully, right? There's many people in the world to do and you know, totally different thing, but understanding that like, Hey, I can go for a few hours without eating. Like I'm not going to die. Everything's okay. And, and just disassociating food from being in your life all the time and always there and always have to have it. I think that that's a powerful, that's a hugely powerful tool of, of intermittent fasting as well. Again, personally just doesn't like I've done it before, you know, whatever, don't like it for me, but I know that it's a, it's a great tool for, for some clients and for many people as well. I I also know that for, for many women, they don't enjoy it more often than men. Have you also had that same experience with, with your, obviously not with yourself, but like in general with, with female clients? I think in the lens of like female clients, um, I coach a lot of like business professionals or like busy people and things like that. Uh, so typically in the morning, people are very, very busy. They're very much like get up and go. Like a lot of people actually are like, yeah, I just, you know, just don't really eat till noon anyway. So like Mm -hmm. a busy people, usually their problem is they don't eat enough. So if you're like, Hey, like you don't have to eat till afternoon. A lot of people are like, okay, cool. I, I actually really enjoy that. Um, just about like being intentional with like showing them like, okay, if you're going to eat at this time, well, this is maybe what your meal should look like. And here's how much you should eat. Um, a lot of people really do enjoy like eating later in the day when they can make the space and they can make the time to actually enjoy the meal that they're eating. Uh, because a lot of people eat from a place of like stress. So I think, I think the conscious eating is the big part of that. Cause I think there's a lot of people who, don't eat in the morning because they're busy, not because they're doing intermittent fasting. They probably have never heard that term before. They don't eat breakfast. They don't eat till lunch, but then they're snacking on stuff and they, they gorge on food later because they're so hungry because they've done it unconsciously or unintentionally. But when we 
again, this goes back to that awareness piece, which is like so important and and touches everything. But it's like when we're aware, it's like, okay, I'm choosing to push my meals back or or eat later and not eat dinner or whatever, however you set up your fasting ratios. And I'm going to eat like a proper meal just because I'm a little bit hungry. I'm not going to have like six bags of chips just because they're around. And as soon as I get my hands on some food, I'm just going to wolf it all down. It's like, no, let's do this with our eyes open and let's still eat healthy and eat whole foods and like eat within our you know limitations and whatnot and, and just do it with our eyes open. And that's how we, that's how we make changes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think from like the lens of like what you were talking about, like typically the people who like snack and graze are usually not satisfied with the things they eat because they're eating like snacks and chips and processed food. But it's just like, you could just, ah, oh man, it's like, you can still do the same thing. Like don't change a thing, but like just eat a little bit more protein and like eat a little bit more satiating foods, like you're going to be, your body composition will change substantially and the way that you feel will just change substantially without even tracking food at all. It's like, well, instead of these chips, I'm just going to have a protein shake or I'm going to have like a salad with like chicken in it. Like super easy change um, can result in like huge, like like fat loss. Yeah, totally agree. And also just letting fitness be part of your life. Like Mm -hmm. use that food, to fuel a workout and like chase something in the gym, like whatever it is, you don't have to be a bodybuilder. You don't have to be the biggest, strongest guy or girl in the gym, but like go for a run, lift some heavy weights, whatever heavy means to you, like just chase something and like use that food to fuel your performance and and use it. You can get away with eating a little bit more. Like we can't out eat a bad diet, obviously, but if you're eating 200 extra calories, you can quote unquote burn that 200 calories in a workout. You can't burn off, you know, a thousand calorie ice cream that you just had. That's not how it works. But yeah. with a little bit, like you can, you can, you can do something by, by, you can do something positive by just like making fitness part of your life. It doesn't have to be all just sacrifices in the kitchen all the time. Right. Absolutely. I agree. Um, yeah. Lifestyle fitness. That's it. Something well, I never really thought about. That's it. We'll, we'll, we'll end on this, but what, what are your, what are your fitness goals now? You've gone through this transformation and you know, of all the things we've spoke about with like maintaining this lifestyle, how are you organizing your your training more specifically to to make this part of your life? So personally, I think one of the biggest mistakes I used to make was going to the gym for six days a week. Um, in college, I was like, yeah, well, you know, like in college, I was living on campus, like what I did in my free time. But now it's like I weight train four days a week um, and I really enjoy running. Um, I like doing cardio training as well. So I resistance trained four days a week. Um, and then I just do cardio Monday to Friday and maybe Saturday morning as well. Um, I don't wait train on Saturday or Sundays and I just push all my workouts during the week. Like it's part of my job. Um, that's how I think of it. It's like, okay, clocking in cool. This is just another thing that I get to do this week. It's awesome. Um, in the aspect of nutrition, very nutrient dense whole foods during the week. Um, I intermittent fast. I don't really eat till the afternoon. Um, and then I usually eat most of my food like eight or nine o'clock at night when I can make time to actually enjoy the things I want to eat. Um, personally probably have dessert now, which was something I never really used to eat or made time for, which is really cool. Um, I don't really plan on competing in bodybuilding anytime in the near future, But um, I guess like moving forward, I did lose 25 pounds this year so far. So I am going on a few more 
May was like a big month for like celebration and all that thing. So I guess I just took like a three to four week diet break this month, but again, still training, still doing my cardio. So body composition is still improving, which is good. Um, and I think June is at the end of June, I'm going to do another photo shoot and then push into the low one forties, um, with another like rapid fat loss approach and just be like super serious about it. Like, like we talked about, it's like, well, you can't, you can't say you're going to be like, well, this month I'm going to do this, but you have all these events planned. It's like, well, okay, realistically, I'm probably going to stay around 151 pounds for the rest of the month. And then from May to June, it's like, okay, we're going to get into the one forties, low one forties and then do yeah. a photo shoot. That sounds, that sounds like a great plan and setting those little mini goals to achieve like a little bit more fat loss when you want it or a little bit less or whatever. Like that's, that's lifestyle. Like that, that screams lifestyle to me. It's like, okay, we're just fully in control. We're doing everything with our eyes open. If you lose weight, it's because you did it on purpose. If you gain weight, it's also because you did it on purpose. Like let's just kind of not letting things happen by accident. I think that's the, that's the big key here. There's so many people, I'm sure you know them in, in your own life as well, where it's like, they're, you know, they're much older than you and I. They're in their 40s, 50s, 60s, and they look back and it's like, wow, when I was, you know, when I was 30, I was this weight and like I've gained 40 pounds since then. It's like, you know, it just happened. It's like, well, it didn't just happen. It happened very slowly, like over time. And self-awareness process is like where we start. It's like, okay, well, we're very aware that this is not just. Yeah. Like it doesn't, things don't happen by accident. Things happen. Things happen. It seems that it happens by accident because you're not doing it on purpose. It doesn't mean it was an accident. Like you don't just gain weight by chance. It's not, unfortunately, like that's not how it works. We just blame everything on accident and like, no, we've got to take a little personal responsibility and like, hey, it was, it was me. Whether, whether I had excuses or, or not, I did this and, and I, I can fix it as well. Right. Two things. It's like, I, number one, I love working with those people. Like those are the best, like, like, especially people who are just really busy. It's like, I like showing people hey, you can live a fitness lifestyle and it doesn't need to be all this like gym seven days a week, all these hot hit circuits and crazy things. It's like you can move the needle in the forward direction if you change these very small things. And I think the second thing I want to say is like for like people like you and I, like I think I take for granted sometimes the amount of knowledge I know and like in the aspect of like seeing things from the lens of like my own self-awareness and like, okay, that's a protein. I know how much food that is. I know I can achieve X by X amount of time. Um, so it makes sense for some people who don't have the same education um, background or experience to be like, well, like, I, I don't know what to do because mm -hmm. I don't know how to, I don't know how to change the like light bulb, like electricity unit. And people are just like, oh yeah, well, yeah, this, 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 and this. And I'm just like, you do that. So like <laughs> from the aspect of like body transformation and fitness, like people that are just like, I, I just tell me what to do. Like I, I this is, I don't know how this happened. Yeah, so, yeah. uh, I think I'm just like blessed with the amount of, uh, information I, uh, know and like was able to commit to learning. So always thankful for that. Yeah, certainly. One, one thing that I've, I've said a, a few times, it's like, you know, I, I understand the struggles of, of, regular quote unquote regular people as in not fitness educated or whatever like you and I people who are not trainers or whatever where we're I, I get that they don't know everything and and that things are not as simple as as they seem to us and so I've said that you know like my I'm trying to be very careful about my words here but like my 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 fat loss thing the what I went through people ask me 
was it difficult? Oh, that sounds like really hard. Like that was like a thing. And I, my answer is like, no, it, it was, it wasn't hard because I, because that's, this is like, this is what I do. This is my life. And like, yeah, it was much easier to sit on the couch and eat pizza, obviously. But like what I did wasn't difficult for me. It doesn't mean that it wasn't, won't be difficult for someone else. It just wasn't hard for me because I know what I'm doing and I've done this before and like, and all that stuff. And I don't sound, I don't say that to sound like kind of an asshole, right. but, but that's just my truth. And so understanding that you don't know all the things and it's like, yeah, we're, we're sympathetic to that. But I think my main point is that you don't have to know everything, but you do have to know that it is within your control. And there are people like us who can help you and like, you know, ask the right questions and we have the answers and all this stuff, but like it is within your control and something can be done about it. Things don't happen by accident and with help we can change and accomplish whatever it is that we want to accomplish. Right. And it's really uh, interesting because it's just, yeah and, it, and like just going back to going back to the aspect of like yeah i definitely take for granted sometimes the way that like my mind works um but it's cool if you like lay it out for somebody and you're just like look like this is the process and like just, just listen to me i got this you got <laughs> yeah. this like yeah. <laughs> one of my favorite one of my favorite things when people come back and say like, hey that you know whatever change we did that thing we did like it worked and i'm like well yeah obviously like <laughs> of course it worked like i do know what i'm talking about <laughs> and, right. but it's always like a nice surprise right and oh it actually worked right and i think it's partly because there's like so much nonsense out there as well and so that's why i think that like having these kind of conversations is so helpful to like you know let's just get some real information out there and people will listen to everything and that's not their fault because i would listen to some stupid advice about something that i don't know either right. without knowing any better um and so when they hear something real and it works the way that they think it's going to work it's like wow this is like actually amazing and and it is kind of amazing it definitely is from from the lens of like hearing hearing somebody's like personal story and like things like that and like tying it back to all the science and all the stuff that we talk about no and developing a very individual process that's going to work for that person in that lifestyle um and I, I think that's the special part about like why i personally enjoy it because Number one, I get to know per somebody on a personal level. Um, I do meet with my clients face to face every week. So it's, I get to like know them. Um, and the process is forever like evolving and shaping as they change. And maybe like they got a new job and they can't commit to the gym five days a week anymore. And it needs to go to four. And like the small things that um, that's why you would hire a coach yeah. because it's, you need someone to tailor fitness to, a lifestyle process that's going to change as you change. Yeah. I love that. Fitness is not that person's life. It's their life is their life. And fitness is just one aspect of it that I think we'd both agree will like, you know, wildly improve all the other aspects of their life, but it's not your entire life. And, and I don't think it should be. For sure. Definitely not. Um, and it's amazing. Just like the small changes that you can make that can make a large change. So yeah, the yeah. little things, the little things add up quite a bit. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's all I have. Do you have any, uh, no, I think that's it. I think that's, I think it's about, about time. Um, thank you very much is, um, what, what are your social media handles? I know your, your Instagram handle used to be the physique scientist, which I thought was like a fantastic, like there are a handful of like really good Instagram handles and like, that was a good one, but now you, you changed it. Well, here's the reason. So my, my Instagram handle did used to be the physique scientist. I do own the company physique by science. 
Um, but it, it originated because I worked in the performance and physique enhancement laboratory and I did, that was my thing. Like I was like a legit scientist and things like that. And it was very fitting. So now that I graduated, it's like, okay, I, I'm still involved in research at the university. Um, but I'm, I'm not a scientist. I am Brooke and Brooke M underscore fitness. So like I do fitness in my own life, but I'm also a coach now. So I don't, I'm not really a scientist anymore. It's yeah. just, kind of, it's kind of a sad truth, but it's just like, I'm not a scientist. So it's like, I can't call myself a scientist if I'm not. <laughs> that's, that's, that's fair enough. And I think it also gives you the creative flexibility in the online world to just also just be broke. You don't have to post things about physique science all the time. You can post other things and talk about other things because there's so much more than just the science of like, we almost, I think most people, we don't need more science for regular people. They need more, like more coaching, more individual okay. approach, more human approach. Yeah. Practical stuff. We, like everyone knows that McDonald's is bad and like, you don't have to overeat. We all know this, but like, why can't we do it? Like that's, that's the hard part. So real question is what can I eat at McDonald's? Like, cause everyone's going to eat it anyway. So like, if you can just tell them, Hey, just get the grilled chicken sandwich, maybe two of them instead of, you know, it's just the simple things like that. And I definitely overthink like posting and things like that. But the true fault is coming back. Just letting you guys know. There we go. Stay tuned for it. So it's Brooke M underscore fitness on Instagram yeah. and website or anything else. Um, So what I do for like one-on-one -on -one coaching applications is like just the link in my Instagram bio right now. Um, I am actually getting a website designed. So that's uh to be in the future. So I, um, yeah, wrapping up everything with school, it was like, that was ending, this was starting. So yeah. pretty much, uh, through Instagram, um, I am on Facebook, um, and there's my email all over my Instagram. So, and we can put that in the notes below too. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Brooke. It's, this has been, uh, this has been a great conversation. I'm, I'm very appreciative that uh, you took the time to speak with us today. For sure. And I could just keep talking for hours. Like, I told you it just happens. <laughs> it's a, all, all of us trainers, we just kind of talk all day long so we can just keep going for, for hours. So, so we'll, we'll, we'll do it again. We'll do it again at some time for sure. Is there for any sure. last message that you want to leave the people with here? Um, I just want to say like, thank you so much for having me on. And if you guys uh, want to see fitness from the lens of lifestyle and body transformation, I've definitely learned the process through like an eight year eight year losing and winning train. And there's been uh, a lot of lessons learned along the way. So thank you so much, Daniel. Amazing. Thank you so much, Brooke. Thank you everybody for listening. Give, make sure to give Brooke a follow on Instagram and check out everything she's got going on. Brooke M underscore fitness. All the links will be in the show notes as per usual. While you're at it, give me a follow as well at Daniel Yoris. Uh, give the episode a share, share it to a friend who needs to hear this, who's interested in the lifestyle side of fitness, which is everyone. <laughs> And uh, rating and review on iTunes, Spotify, all that stuff goes a long way. I appreciate you. Go outside, be a good person, train hard, and uh, we'll chat soon.